0: Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of the Millennial Homemakers podcast, your resource for all things home, hostessing, and more. We're your hosts, Jackie Alexander and Jacqueline Humble.
1: Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Millennial Homemakers. Today we are continuing our episode from last week, which was Trends for 2022 food fashion and decor we mainly got through where we we did get through food and we got through a lot of fashion but we're here for fashion part two and decor the whole thing
0: yes it might be long i think we could easily do a multi-parter for just the decor but we will try to keep it to this episode yeah i thought about that too i was like is
1: this gonna have to be a part three i think we'll be okay we want to give the people what they want
0: Right? Exactly.
1: Exactly. (laughs) So, this is such a fun episode for us to do. Yeah, I'm
0: excited to get back to it. Me too. So, should we just dive right in?
1: For sure. So, we left off with fashion. I think we were talking about capsule wardrobes.
0: Right, because Um, I'm going towards more of a capsule wardrobe than I have before.
1: And another thing that's kind of making a comeback that I have seen is statement jewelry. Mm -hmm. So I feel like the last few years, or not even few years, like five years even, it's been delicate, like layering of gold necklaces, lots of piercings on the ear, lots of smaller little studs, lots of delicate bracelets, but seeing more and more and not that like statement earrings ever went away. Just I've even seen some people with statement necklaces, which we haven't seen in a long
0: time. Yeah. I don't think we've seen those since you and I were in college, or at least that's when I got rid of mine. So maybe it was just, I felt like they were maybe too juvenile. Um, The statement earrings I've seen a lot of, I wear statement earrings all the time, especially the really fun ones that are very specific, like tacos Watermelons, rainbows, <laughs> martini glasses, and not just you know big, colorful, but actually now the beat it, um, just really fun themed ones, and those work great with capsule wardrobes because you can have a lot of fun with your jewelry while still wearing basically the same outfit every day. The yeah, the statement necklaces,
1: like when we were in college, mm-hmm. which everyone knows what we're talking about—the bubble necklaces, <laughs> the mm-hmm. J, the J Crew, the like jewel necklaces. And I think when we started having more of a professional wardrobe, it was like, okay, this looks cheap. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I'm wearing plastic around my neck. And now we're seeing more for like the statement jewelry. It's like chunky beads, maybe several strands twisted together. I'm seeing a lot of organic material on statement necklaces. So like shells or a woven necklace. I think that's kind of like the re-emerge. Emergence of statement necklaces is almost more like collars Mm -hmm. than like the statement necklaces when we think of the bubble necklace,
0: which makes sense because if it's our generation that's bringing that back in. It's more of the grown up higher end version of what we were doing in college. And so now Mm -hmm. we've done the basic professional wardrobe and we're looking for ways to add our own flair, our own style back into that. Mm -hmm. So the next trend that I'm really excited about is not new. It really, I think, started becoming popular last year, but that's smocking. And I love it because my body is still changing quite a bit and smocking has that elasticity. So that way it still fits you as your body's going through these changes. And it just adds so much texture and dimension. One of my favorite bathing suits right now has smocking up top and it's just a plain light blue, but having that smocking gives it some interest instead of just being something that you would think of like a swim meet type bathing suit. I love the smocking as
1: well. And that is mainly because I am chesty Mm -hmm. so I can have a better fit than mm-hmm. trying to squeeze myself into something that then will like flatten me or just bulge in weird places. So I love the smocking for a similar reason. And I think that it, it's a way to be more like to have one size fit more bodies.
0: Yes. Cause I a lot of times will end up, then the arms are too big to, you know, to fit my chest. Mm -hmm. The arms are too big or it doesn't flow well because it's too much material. Or like you said, you're trying to squeeze yourself into something. And so this way you get a better fit throughout. So I really, I'm a huge fan of this one. I'm hoping it's here for a while. It's a way for a more tailored look, but Mm -hmm. yet more flexible. So totally exactly Exactly. You don't have to go to a tailor to get something that looks like it was made for you.
1: So my next trend is Fashion related, but just more so uh, like consumer trend and purchasing habits. Okay. So people investing in more expensive pieces, whether that's clothing or jewelry, but by way of the pay later options of payment. So I'm sure if you've sh- online shopped <laughs> anytime, like anytime recently, you've seen afterpay or a firm.
0: There's some other ones. The two I've seen the most.
1: Yeah, I've used Afterpay and I really enjoy it. I know that some like Dave Ramsey people have thoughts about it, but for me, it's a way to buy a more expensive dress and then have it be a little bit easier on my like fun income. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, my like fun money fund.
0: I've never used it because I am more of a Dave Ramsey type budgeter. But I think it's a really good idea, especially for those event dresses that yes. maybe you can't really justify paying that much, but you know that you can get more than one wear of it. And you want something that you're not gonna that's not gonna fall apart. So I can see the appeal. I personally wouldn't use it, but I can definitely see the appeal. And I think it goes we're going away from this fast fashion trend. Mm-hmm. And so I think it goes with that where people are willing to buy fewer clothes to have a wardrobe that will last a lot longer and the think about things
1: like Afterpay is you can pay it off at any time mm-hmm. but it's zero interest I think there's limits but I would never like buy something so much that it would make like a big debt in my you know account like, right something coming out but it's in two week installments and so I'll just time it around the time that I know like I'm gonna have some fun money hitting my account and then for a few weeks it's like oh I'm not gonna buy something today because I still have a payment on that dress or whatever Mm -hmm. so I
0: really like it it's a good way to not put things on a credit card yeah I definitely see like I said I see the appeal um, I think I might get carried away because I know myself, and so that might be one of my reasons mm-hmm. that I'm not. Drawn I've used to it. it
1: for, like you said, a nicer, a more expensive dress. or another another thing that I've done is if I'm ordering a lot of stuff and I know I'm not gonna keep it all is I'll use that because then the money's not out of the on of my account
0: and the makes a lot of
1: sense that yeah. makes and then, sense. I mean, you have to be good at returning, but I'm trying to think what else I've used it for. I think I've used it for like a purse that I'm like, uh, I could save up like for a few weeks, but or I can mm-hmm. have it now and just pay it off. <laughs> so, but it is zero interest, but there are like penalties and stuff and obviously you have to look into it and I think you have to have a certain credit mm-hmm. to get approved for them.
0: Um I'm sure, especially with the zero interest, and I'm assuming there's a very sh- uh, short timeline as compared to like a zero interest if you're going to a furniture place and getting out you know, their credit. I'm sure it's a shorter zero interest payment.
1: Eight weeks. Okay. So like every two weeks. But I can see how you could get in trouble with it. But anyway, so that is that, that is like a, a purchasing trend that I've seen.
0: The next trend that I've seen is braided shoes. You see these everywhere. I think probably the ones I've seen most are the Dolce Vita sandals. And then Target, uh-huh. you know, has their own version. And I like them because they're... They can be very casual or very dressy, depending on the color and the style, and what else you're wearing with it. Um, and they're also very comfortable. I have a pair of the Dolce Vita that I got super on sale, and I really like them.
1: I have a pair of Dolce Vita as well, and I have two pairs of Target, and they're the same quality. So,
0: <laughs> right, which is, if my Dolce Vita weren't on sale, I probably would have gone with the Target.
1: Yeah, I love, I, I love the braided shoes and the chunky braid as well. Yes. I really like the chunky plushy. Which
0: is what I have. Mm -hmm. Well I've seen some like smaller braids but I'm not as big a fan. They look maybe like more what was in style a couple years ago.
1: And the chunky braid paired with the cylindrical heel I think
0: we're continuing to see. Mm -hmm. Which the cylindrical heel has been a trend I think we've talked about before.
1: So speaking of Target their stock is actually like pretty far down like there's for the stock market like the target stock isn't doing well Mm -hmm. and I told Jordan it was because of their clothing I think their accessories have been really good recently but their clothing Mm -hmm. just is like not it like I've gotten just a few dresses but that used to be where I would go for my like Quote play clothes. Mm -hmm. So the clothes that I would wear when I was running errands or I didn't care, you know, if it got ruined, like if I wore it to the hair or nail salon, cleaning around the house, like I would wear like a little dress from Target, but they have been missing the mark. So I told Jordan it's their clothing choice.
0: I could agree with that. I haven't thought about that recently, but I agreed their accessories, their shoes, and I really like their PJs. They're incredibly soft. Their stars above brand is just like butter. Oh yeah. Their PJs were good. Their athletic wear is good. I like their underwear as well. Mm-hmm. But
1: as far as the dresses, it's like all those pilgrim-esque dresses, I feel like.
0: Which were very short-lived as far as a trend goes,
1: I think. And I love a midi, but that just, it, it was always off to me. Mm-hmm. It's kind of going off of your heel mm-hmm. uh, trend as well is another heel shape that I've seen is kind of uh, what I'll call the hourglass pinch. Okay. Have you seen that? So let me explain. It's thicker on the top and then on the bottom, but it's like pinch in the middle.
0: Okay. Um, I did not know what it was called, but I have seen that. I'm just making up what it's called. So, oh, okay. well, I like it. Let's let's make that the name then. This is a Jacqueline term, the
1: hourglass pinch. I have a fear with it, though, Jackie. I'm really afraid. I think it's leading us down a stiletto path. I could see that. So it's been interesting to watch the heels kind of transition from wedge to block and now like to this pinched in between and I'm like, oh no, we're going to have to be in stilettos again, which I still have my stilettos from when I needed to wear them for like professional settings or church. But I'm like, I don't want to be, I like the chunky.
0: It's so much more comfortable. I'll have to see because the this pinched look reminds me of I think like the 20s and 30s like their T-strap heel. Mm. So we'd have to look at kind of the cycle that got us to stiletto then to see if we're following that same path. That's such a good observation. I'm just scared. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm going back to stilettos. I'm just going to put it out there. <laughs> no never matter say what. Never. never
1: say never i said i would never not wear skinny jeans and i'm probably gonna
0: buy uh something different for the fall i the not last fall because i was pregnant no i wasn't was i no andy was here so I was postpartum, um, but before I got pregnant, I had um, some non-skinny jeans that I really liked and they don't fit yet. And so I'm hoping by the fall, cause I don't necessarily want to buy another pair. Cause I really liked mm-hmm. the but stilettos. I don't know. I could do a kitten heel, but not a stiletto. Cute. So for formal, seeing a lot of transparent sleeves,
1: panels, and organza overlays with slips or cat suits underneath. We kind of talked a little bit about this with the what was the, the, the Taylor Swift one? The high-low, the kind of like yes. reimagined high-low with a train. On the red carpet, you're seeing some people wear like thongs underneath a see-through dress. Like that. that's the kind of look that I'm – the trend that I'm talking about. Obviously, you can have a more conservative take on it. Mm-hmm. But um, and something for uh, – I mean, we can't not talk about Kim Kardashian if we're talking about trends and fashion. Right. Something that Kim did for her sister's wedding recently was she had a dress. A, it was like the whole wedding I think was kind of sponsored by Dolce and Gabbana or they were doing all the fashion and they mm-hmm. maybe got married like at their castle or whatever. And she wore a dress that she had previously worn on like a red carpet, you know, a decade ago that was Dolce and Gabbana. And she, had another dress in her closet that was a lace overlay and she put the overlay over the other formal dress. So layering things, investing in pieces that you wouldn't wear alone, that you'd wear over something that's like see-through. I think we're going to be seeing a lot of that.
0: That's really fun because you get more use out of that dress that you would wear alone by just changing it up and bringing it back into style.
1: Yeah, the sustainability of it all—I really liked, and I like that she talked about that, and that that was something that you know it was like a way to rewear but reimagine. <laughs> <laughs> and another thing that's kind of making a comeback—I think we're going to be seeing ostrich feathers for a while, and I'm
0: very into it. I don't know if I've I've noticed this one. Where are they used? Like on dresses? On oh, okay, feathers. So a lot of people have those PJs
1: with the feather cuffs. Have you seen those? Yes. Okay. The cuff mm-hmm. sleeves, cuff pants. I've seen jeans with feather cuffs. You can actually buy feather cuffs off Amazon, like Oshers feather cuffs, mm-hmm. and put them on your sweaters, anything like that, because it's going to be more expensive to buy the the full, yeah, the, like, the full outfit. But you can kind yeah. of adjust, you know, you can buy that accessory and like attach it to something that you already own. Also, feathers, kind of like... Okay, you know eyelash extensions? <laughs> when people get eyelash extensions, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Right? Okay. And how when they get extensions, they can either put like individual ones on or they put like mm-hmm. the cluster, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And same thing with like strips, okay? With fake like eyelashes. So it's kind of like the little cluster of the feathers, but like um, applied all over the skirt part of a dress, right? Just okay. little mm-hmm. and then spaced out. Too, I'm not sure, but it just kind of like adds, it's almost like sequence, but it's the cluster of feathers. And then the same thing on jeans. I don't know if it was Coachella, but Hailey Bieber wore these kind of boyfriend jeans and they had green feathers applied in those clusters all over them. That's a lot of feathers. Yeah. Feathers are fun. I'm into it. I have one dress with feathers and I need more. (laughs) Okay. Last fashion trend is Y2K style. Yes. So the, the chokers, I went to a candlelight thing in Tampa with, it was a Taylor Swift night
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they did, it was a string quartet. Only songs they played were from Taylor's discography. I wore like a cute black dress and then I went out to Target actually in the girl section and bought butterfly hair clips. and So fun. Clipped up part of my hair with little butterfly clips because I thought it was like giving Taylor lover era. And that was just a really fun accessory. So the kind of Y2K, I think accessories, maybe even some style. I feel like the uh, Gen Z are starting to wear like some stuff that we used to wear. But it's it's kind of fun. I'm kind of freaked out, but I like it.
0: Uh, that's funny that you say that. We went out to dinner a couple weeks ago for one of our friend's daughter's high school graduation. And the girls walked up and I looked at them. I'm like, I would have worn that in high school. Mm -hmm. Like it was pretty much exactly what I wore like senior year of high school. So I think it's definitely, which was, you know, later than Y2K. But I think, yeah, Gen Z is really kind of mimicking what we've done. Mm -hmm. That's fun.
1: So are you ready for the decor trends for
0: 2022? Yes, which is one of my favorites. I think it might be one of yours too. (laughs) <laughs> just just a little. <laughs> little bit. We like talking about this, clearly. What is your first trend? So my first trend is shades of green. Um, and we saw with the major paint companies like Sherman Williams, Benjamin Moore, and PPG that their color of the year this year was some shade of green. And I'll never let go of my blue. Well, maybe. Back to what we were saying, never say never. I really like my blue. But green is starting to edge blue out. As a popular home decor color, um, because it's comforting, and it, you know, the past couple of years, a lot of us have spent a lot of time outside, and the green really helps us remember that reset that we had out in nature.
1: Definitely agree with that. Um, I have more on that in a minute, um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but
1: uh, something that I have been I guess, privilege to partake in or something that's different with this episode than mm-hmm. with other episodes. And maybe last year, I don't know if I talked about it, but with my job, um, I do marketing for a company that's in the home deck industry and even got to do some design before I moved to Florida within that. So that, that's that been like, professionally, I'm very aware of these kind of trends now. And Jackie is doing freelance writing. She's also professionally in this space. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's always been a passion of ours, but now we actually have some authority in it besides just consumers versus the other two were more like consumer-focused, these are more Mm -hmm. a professional opinion.
0: And it also means that we might have to rein ourselves in a little more because we (laughs) can probably talk about most of these trends in depth for a very long time.
1: With a lot of anecdotal evidence.
0: Yes. So, So with my job, I've had the opportunity
1: to attend High Point Market, which is a big furniture show in North Carolina where a lot of furniture is made in the U.S., and also, I just got back from a trip to Cape Cod for a luxury home design summit. I got to hear from a trend forecaster. She goes to do a big parish decor, fashion, everything like that show every, I guess, twice a year. Anyway, so it's really exciting, the stuff that I had written down before. Mm-hmm. I went to that and then to see her say a lot of the same things, which is really cool because I'm still a novice at this. And
0: that is exciting that you've seen those trends in the the smaller arenas. You've still gone to some pretty big design conferences and markets, but much smaller than probably what's in Paris. And so to, to be seeing those in client work and in those different markets that you've gone to and then having those reiterate it means that you are noticing the same things that people that have decades of experience also notice. For sure. So with
1: that, going off the green, is the s- soft earth tones. Mm-hmm. So warm wood tones, chocolate hues. A good tip that I have from... I've heard over and over again from design professionals is to mix cool and warm undertones mm-hmm. always. So whenever you're decorating a room, thinking about your house, thinking about furnish like uh, the permanent fixtures in your home from flooring to paint color, which of course you can always change either of those, but cabinet color, backsplash tile, everything like that is to mix cool and warm tones because it changes so often, right? Mm -hmm. Like we see the grays, we see the blues, and then we see the browns and we see the greens, we see the yellows, we see the reds, like you see them cycle in and out. Mm -hmm. So by incorporating both into your space, you're going to have a lot more longevity with those selections.
0: That makes a lot of sense, and I think also combining those two, you have more variety and more warmth, because if you're only using the cool undertones, your house might not seem welcoming, but then adding those warmth, you have that other that next layer where you can have a lot of fun with your style, and you can really showcase who you are, um, and easily switch out these trends if you want your house to be a little more trendy without starting from scratch every time and on the other hand if your house is too cool
1: then it doesn't feel fresh right mm-hmm. right it doesn't have that crisp element of that blue and white light so the balance is so good and it's never good to go too trendy because things change stick to your your preferred style if you mm-hmm. like blue stick with blue, add green elements. Just think about green as an accent. But yeah, definitely the cool earth or the the warm earth tones
0: are in. (laughs) Which makes sense with the shades of green. Like I said, one of the big appeals for it is that connection with nature, which goes into the next trend I've seen, um, the warm earth tones and the green, and that's biophilic design. Mm-hmm. which is trying to bring the outdoors into your home. And this is something we've talked about in previous episodes, maybe not, we didn't necessarily know the name of it then because that was, especially in the early days, I remember talking about this. But now, so those natural materials, those natural colors, it's its something that as a whole, society is wanting to embrace right now. And its it's using more sustainable materials, more natural materials that are naturally going to have those colors because they're not produced. Um, They're not man-made. So with the biophilic at the summit that I was
1: at last week,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um, there was a lot of emphasis on tech. I actually was thinking about like, could we add like a fourth category to our trend report? And I would say that might be wellness. Okay. The biophilic actually had a wellness aspect of it. With the lighting. Okay. And so the tech presenters and the home automation presenters were talking a lot about lighting and mood, wellness, having your lights gradually change with the sun, mm-hmm. bringing that outside in through light. I thought that was so neat. So it's more natural instead of when you turn on the lights, it's just whatever color. It's the color of, it's to mimic the time of day that it is outside. I love that. So your light inside would be similar. And then even kind of getting to the more warm tones at mm-hmm. night where it's less blue light. You know, people even mm-hmm. have red light stuff, the red kind of amber and even purple for the sunset of taking that inside and having certain things be lit up in those colors. It was really neat. So not just your lamps, but also like if you had different fixtures, like a, a light bar or a, almost like artwork in your home
0: that i'm sure that plays a lot with improving your sleep cycle mm-hmm. because you don't have the artificial i mean still artificial light but because it mimics natural light it goes kind of back to our roots before we had electricity and indoor lighting and not tech related but the wellness a big part of the the biophilic design too is plants and not just you know like a house plant here and there but like living walls and using plants in everything and that purifies your air. So if you have this natural light going on and then you have this purified air, then your house is really a bubble that can help you live better.
1: In the same presentation he was also talking about hydroponic gardens. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was like was so on the nose with remember my tower garden that I yes. did in Tennessee. And mm-hmm reiterating that within a kitchen and a hydroponic herb garden and again that has a tech element so it's interesting to see like the tech and the nature combined in Mm -hmm. this trend
0: it is because you don't think on the surface you don't think those things go hand in hand and they Mm -hmm. really do
1: and it's accessible so Mm -hmm. if you're listening to this and you're like okay but i'm never gonna have a smart home it's just not going to happen. Well, you can buy, you can go on Amazon and you can buy colored lights if you have a smart assistant like an Alexa or,
0: <laughs> or a Google. I like Home. that you whispered that so everybody's didn't just light up right, right now, including mine. <laughs> um, if you have something like that in your house,
1: then you can, or even if you don't, I think you can just get the bulbs and there's like a hub and you have an app and you can set it to certain times of day. So don't feel like this is something that is only accessible to the rich. I mean, I had a hydroponic garden, so you can too, trust me. Go on Amazon and just Google those terms and then start incorporating them into your home decor and your wellness routine.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, it's definitely something that's accessible. And it's not something that you have to, you don't have to turn your entire house into a smart house all at once. You can do, these are the rooms that maybe I notice that I'm getting eye fatigue because the light is too bright or too white or just not working. And so you start with that room and then you branch out. For sure, for sure. And kind of going off of this, two my
1: next trend is a sustainable material mm-hmm. and that is mushroom lef- leather there's an actual word for it do you remember um what
0: that it word starts is? with an m it's like mycelium
1: yeah that's like the word i was thinking of okay it's something like that if it's not that exact word sorry but
0: and i'm probably leather. butchering
1: how to say it anyway <laughs> it's a mushroom leather that's lab grown they have found the feel the texture of it is very similar to animal high by creating this sustainable alternative to leather, because let's be real previously we've had vegan leather is what they've called it, but it's been made from petroleum. It's plastic. It's vinyl. It's not good for the environment to make sure. It's not killing an animal, but there's just been a lot of controversy around both of those materials so by having an alternative i'm not sure of the price point i would assume because it's a new technology there's probably not that much available right now but as i love that they're exploring these kind of things and i'm pretty sure it's like very durable they're they're using it at just like leather so
0: when i was looking into this most Of what I've seen, it looks like the companies making this right now are making them for designers that want to use it in their design and they know exactly what they want to use. So I think right now it's just, like you said, it's a new technology and there's just not a lot available, but these companies are working to make it more accessible. And what's really cool is it can be crafted to look and feel like pretty much any type of animal leather that you would want. So not just... You know, it's not all the same. You can really make it your own. You can get the color and the texture and the feeling that you want. So that way you can use it anywhere that you would use vegan leather or animal leather.
1: And it might be that that would be a good thing to kind of dip your foot in if you're not sure if you want to buy a mushroom leather couch or mycelian or whatever the technical (laughs) word is. Mushroom leather is what I'm calling it. But you might cover a chair in it or a stool a seat mm-hmm. cushion for a dining room chair. So there's ways to kind of dip your toes into these new materials before making a really couple thousand dollar purchase of like a couch for instance, or a bank hat. I'm pretty sure you can buy it rolls of it. So just go online and look it up. I don't know. I don't think there's like one specific person to buy from. I think it's just a bunch of different companies are exploring this technology.
0: Right. And there's just, there's not as many as other types of fabric, other types of material, just because it is new and they have to like farm raise these mushrooms, because I think it's a very specific type of mushroom and they Mm -hmm. go in at a, there's a certain point in the mushrooms life cycle, I guess, that they make these changes to make it into a workable material. Really cool. Mm -hmm. And that really goes, I've, we've mentioned natural materials and sustainable materials before the mushroom leather, but really wicker, caning, all of these natural plant materials are becoming a bigger trend because they they're durable they're versatile uh, they add a lot of texture and they're just better for the environment uh, because they are natural they last longer so it's not going to end up in a landfill like everything else and I think just a lot of these trends that we're talking about is going towards this we want to leave a smaller footprint we want to be smarter and wiser with the materials that we're using
1: mm-hmm For sure. And you're seeing too, especially in like the caning is like paneling Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: not necessarily the whole piece.
0: I agree. And that really adds to that visual interest because it makes it a statement piece and not just another piece of furniture. Speaking of
1: statement furniture,
0: (laughs) (laughs) uh,
1: my next trend is called ba relief. Mm -hmm. And really into this trend, it's... French, so it's actually spelled B A S, but it's pronounced "bas." So if you see it written, just know. So I have the definition written here. The definition of a bas relief is a piece of artwork that is sculpted, carved, or molded in such a way that it barely protrudes from the background flat surface. So a good example of this is if you know carved Madonna of Mary and holding Jesus. That is a really good. Donatello, that's a really good example of bas-relief, if you know art or religious art. It's carved, but it's not a very deep carve. But there's still that visual difference between the foreground and the background. That style is being used on media consoles, on coffee tables, on art, specifically on lamps, other light fixtures. So something to kind of be aware of and look into. I would say it goes best with like an arts and crafts style home. Mm-hmm. So a little bit more eclectic, but you can incorporate it into traditional and transitional and probably even farmhouse if it's like a more like brutalist rustic piece.
0: And I I love this trend too. And like you said, it's just barely protruding. And it's from what I've seen, if it's the sculpture, whatever there is protruding is less than halfway then it's bas relief. If it's more than it's high relief. Oh, okay. That's good to know. So does bas mean like halfway? I have no idea. I don't speak (laughs) French. Um, (laughs) This style, this technique has been around since cavemen they found versions of this in caves and then they added color to it to really make it stand out and then like you said it's a lot of religious artwork and cathedrals and now we're it's accessible so now we're bringing it into our own furniture and I just love that it's something that celebrates artists for for millennia.
1: love a traditional technique
0: and love that I will always bring history into something if I can. <laughs>
1: here for it
0: there's just a lot of texture that we're really seeing right now so the bar relief because it's it protrudes a little bit it just adds a nice light texture instead of a full sculpture and so now but we're also seeing texture in fabrics and so your blankets your pillows even your couches are going to be using furry material or nubby something or it's adorned with fringe um jacqueline's I think one of her favorite materials right now, and I'm you might have to pronounce it for me, boucle. Bu, boucle, yes. boucle. Um, which is was popular in mid-century um, style and now it's coming back. It comes another it's another French term coming from a word meaning to curl. And it's made out of yarn that is looped and then woven together into a nubby texture. And it's you can get it as nubby or as almost flat as you want, but it's very soft and cozy. And Jacqueline, I think your couch is made from yes, it, right? Yes, my sectional is. So boucle is different than Sherpa.
1: So mm-hmm. if you see like a really furry chair, that's probably Sherpa. But if you see just a nubbier, chunkier fabric weight, usually in a lighter color, like a cream, a white, mine is an oatmeal that reads as like very, very light beige or off-white. That is a boucle. And I actually have a performance boucle for my material, which means that it's washable. So it's not... Even though it is like a little bit of a looser weave up top, it's still a tighter weave where it's not fragile, is what I'm trying to say.
0: Yes, which because of that, I think it's a lot more versatile than a Sherpa.
1: Yes, exactly. And I think it's a lot less trendy than a Sherpa. I mean, mm-hmm. some boucle can be like very over the top and I think will go out of style very fast unfortunately or, or once it's out of style it's really out of style but for mine I wanted to be kind of on trend but still pretty classic so there are ways to embrace these trends in a bigger piece of furniture where I don't think it's going to be outdated because I chose a very modern or not modern but like transitional silhouette a little bit of curve on the arm but
0: pretty simple lines and when I looked at a picture of your whole couch, I wouldn't necessarily realize it was boucle until right. you look closer at the fabric. And I think because of that, it will last longer. And since you got the performance, it will withstand your dogs a little better. And If you mm-hmm. have kids, this is a great material for that too.
1: Yes, all about performance materials. If you're ever going to re-upholster something, use a performance fabric if it's in your home. You won't regret it. You will only regret not using a, perform- a performance fabric. And performance can be either the fibers of the textile is a performance grade, which means that it's not going to absorb stains or smells, etc. Or it has a coating on the fibers, which is performance. And so... Some performance can even be bleached. And it's like, let's say it's a navy cushion, mm-hmm. great for the outdoors. Some of those can be actually like you can put bleach on it and it won't change. It'll just clean it. Other performance just needs a little bit of detergent, warm water, soap. That's what mine is. And it's washing machine safe. But performance is the way to go. You, I, like I said, you're not going to regret using performance.
0: Absolutely. And performance fabrics have come such a long way. Where I think yes. you used to, when you thought of them, you thought about outdoor furniture and maybe it was almost plasticky and it's now not that at all. You won't even know its performance if you didn't purchase it. There's so many uh, patterns and colors. So like if you
1: want a pattern or a certain color and you can find it, Sombrella is one of my favorite brands
0: mm-hmm. that has
1: good performances. That's a really good place to start and you can buy it directly. You don't have to go through an interior designer. Another thing is, is they have performance velvet which is crazy Mm -hmm. to me because you think of velvet as more of a delicate material. Mm -hmm. Again, read the instructions and make sure like you could use bleach, but that would be so crazy. Like if you could put bleach on a velvet chair, that just blows my mind. I like, honestly, my skin's crawling just thinking about it, but (laughs) there's uh let's see, Krypton, Inside Out, and Sunbrella are probably like the most popular performance fabrics. So when you're Googling, I know Ballard, I think carries all three of those.
0: I think so. And with Umbrella, I think you can even purchase like pillows that are pre-made, not um, because I know I was at my in-laws on their deck the other day, and I noticed that their outdoor fabrics had the Umbrella tag on them. So you don't even have to get something reupholstered if you want to have some performance um, fabric on your outdoor um, cushions, you might be able to find them pre-made in the size that you need. Another trend
1: is based on shape. So we're seeing a lot of curved shapes, but not just in furniture, but also in architectural details such as stairwells, doorways, fireplaces, the more feminine look and almost like
0: a Moroccan and Spanish
1: influence,
0: I feel like. Yes, where it's not, you know, when you think curve originally, you might think more like a, a half moon, but these have a lot more variation in the shapes softer architectural features which i was never a fan of the modern trend i it's very straight lines very clean which is nice but it can also feel very cold But the curves in your furniture and your architecture makes your space feel more welcoming. Um, It's warmer and it really goes a lot of these trends we're talking about. You can really see how they influence each other, how they can work together, because a lot of these trends go into creating a house that's more welcoming, that you want to spend a lot of time in. And I think the curves really do that because it's just, it's comfortable you never feel like a guest in your own house or even if you're going to someone else's house that uses these curves you instantly feel safe womb like yeah what you're saying <laughs> yes which is i think when i was researching this that did come out up a lot especially with the furniture
1: well and so this is kind of what we've been talking about with all these different trends is the warm and cool The feminine and masculine, the yin and yang. I mean, that's kind of the ultimate philosophy and balance Mm -hmm. in a space, right? Is that yin and yang? So
0: I, I really love this. I do too. And looking at how all these trends balance each other out, or how we're now layering more of those softer, more feminine on top of trends that have been more masculine, because you, when you look walk in a room. You might not realize that there's more masculine shapes or more feminine shapes, but you might realize something's off. And these trends are kind of like restoring the balance of the ultra modern trends that that have been here the past couple of years. Mm-hmm.
1: Especially in an architectural standpoint with these curves, that's a really good way to make your home not look builder grade and a little bit more custom. So if you are doing a reno or if you are building a house and you can say, well, hey, what if we made the, this doorway curved? How much more mm-hmm. expensive would that be? That might be a really fun touch
0: just to make it a little bit more custom. I think if you've ever walked into a house with an arched doorway anywhere. Just think how much mm-hmm. more luxurious that feels, even though it seems like such a small change. Another thing is stairs. Mm -hmm.
1: So stairs can be, especially if it's like a, let's say it's like a townhome or a house where you don't really see like a banister. It's just like a wall, right? Mm -hmm. Adding a curve to the end of that wall so that it's more just a little bit more interesting architecturally is a really cool way to not totally have to
0: redo that whole stairwell, but make it feel softer. Yeah, absolutely. It puts your own stamp on the space, Mm -hmm. which we're big fans of anytime you can. And fireplaces too. If you
1: walked into a house and the fireplace was round, that's going to look so much more expensive than just a normal straight fireplace. So, buying, you can just buy a fireplace around at a thrift market and get it cut down or shaved down, or just look for one with those round shapes already. And that's a real, that's like a few hundred dollar job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We'll definitely post some pictures of this to our stories because I feel like this is really fun. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, I really do think we, well, I guess our fashion didn't take too long to finish up because we could have easily done multiple episodes for this. The next trend I've seen, which kind of goes away from this feminine that we've been talking about is color blocking, um, which is when you use two different, two or more blocks of different colors to create a contrasting look. And this has been popular in fashion and it's now kind of emerging more and more onto the home deck side of things. Um, And it, it does a lot to one, create that balance. If you're using really curved furniture and architecture then having color block drapery or a blanket thrown over the side can create that straight line to balance everything out, and it can also really ground your space to bring everything back to the conversation, and it can also, at the same time, make your windows look bigger so you seem like you have more natural light coming in. I
1: really enjoy color blocking. I think it's fun if you don't want to commit to a pattern, but Mm -hmm. you want a stripe of a contrasting color. I'm a fan. I love it in clothes. I love it in decor. I, think, I don't think it's ever going to go out.
0: Especially because you're not committing to a pattern, so you don't have to worry about the pattern that you chose going out of style mm-hmm. because it's too solids. You're never going to be able to do a room entirely of patterns anyway. You're always going to need solids. And talking
1: about drapery specifically – is especially if you're getting custom made drapery or you're altering drapery custom for like you're tailoring it for your Mm -hmm. space is to look at the architectural details of that window and match the color block up Mm -hmm. with those details. So the top of the window or the sill base of it, and that's a really great way to make your window seem larger or ground it back in like you were saying if you do have really tall ceilings doing the color block in a way to make it feel like a more defined space and like anchor the room
0: exactly and you do that by adding a darker color at the bottom Mm -hmm. altering them color block is a great option if you maybe can't afford custom drapery and you can't find curtains anywhere that fit that are the right length Um, Yeah, because you can get fabric and add the color block to the bottom or to the top or both, or you can get two different sets and combine them to create this. And that way you, it's really simple because it's just a straight stitch. And especially if you get two different ones, because the hem's already done, because you can cut it, you know, before the hem. And so that way you get something that feels very custom for minimal work and for a lot cheaper
1: let's say like you wanted to get Ikea drapery, you could get two panels. Let's say you have very tall, like let's say you have vaulted ceilings and you could get two panels and then do a stripe in the middle or even a tape Mm -hmm. in the middle to combine them. So you don't have to do just two colors, but by
0: adding that detail, it's a great hack. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm all about hacks and making your house feel grander than it is. So now that we've talked about a cheap solution (laughs) uh
1: my next one is expensive (laughs) and that's that's expensive art something that i have seen and just noticed with conversations with my own friends is investing in original art but millennials Mm -hmm. so kind of with the rise of nfts i think has which is the non-fungible token i'm sure everyone knows what that is, but actually getting a fungible token, because <laughs> they're like, wait, if my husband's like trying to pay $2,000, or I'm trying to pay, you know, however much money on this fake online thing, like it's basically like a Pokemon card. Why don't we just I invest it? <laughs> yeah, it's worse. Well, I mean, they do like send you some people send you stuff. But why don't I invest in a really nice piece of art from this regional artist specifically. I think people are starting from like a, you know, a more affordable standpoint within the extensive art, but they want to invest in something that's going to hold value. I I really like this trend. I try to get original art or a print when possible.
0: It's funny you say that this year for my mother-in-law's birthday, my sister-in-law and I went shopping with her and we went to a local artists studio here and one of the reasons i really like local artists is because you can actually have conversations with him and this man was so excited he we had a hard time leaving because he had a story for every single painting he had done and it was really hard to choose not because not just because they were beautiful but because you could tell how much passion and hard work went into every single painting and parts of it were, some of his paintings were from dreams he had. Some of them were for, um, you know, different life experiences. And so you get these unique pieces that no one else has that really makes a statement. And then you also have a story to tell when people come over. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of this one, too. And it's like, who are we? <laughs> Is this what? Is this the level where we are now? Where by, like, we're we're collecting art? <laughs> what? What? It's the the millennials. I'm telling you. Uh. <laughs> Which that's my When we were shopping, my sister-in-law was like, I don't know where these are going. Which she was in the process of moving. But she's like, I don't have any wall space because I have so many other pieces of mm-hmm. art. Speaking of regional art, so folk art
1: is mm-hmm. on the rise. And I had that like noted within this. Something that one of my friends and I were talking about is this artist in New Orleans. And he does the blue dog. It's like his thing. It's like this little character. His stuff just keeps increasing in value. And it's a, it's a cool, but very kind of pop, arty, folky taste. So it's mm-hmm. not for everybody, but it's really fun. And we both want to buy prints. We're like, okay, which print should I buy? Because the prints hold a lot of value as well, not just the original.
0: So it's just kind of fun. And I think what's really fun about that is a lot of times when you think about collecting art, you think about the high art that is maybe not really accessible and so with the folk art you don't even have to have a very traditional home you can have a very comfortable you know you Mm -hmm. can have a traditional comfortable home but you know you can have it's more casual Mm -hmm. that's the word I was looking for I don't know why I couldn't think of that while still having something truly unique and it could go really well in a, in a second
1: home as well. Um, if you know, something to think about maybe gifting your parents, mm-hmm. if they have a mountain house or a beach house or a mountain cabin or condo, you know, I'm not trying to be like super bougie, but <laughs> it, it's fun. It's fun to, it's fun to think
0: about for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All Those right. were all of my, cause I reigned myself in, but I'm sure I have lots to say about all of yours. Okay. So
1: going off of second homes is travel inspired interiors. Mm -hmm. That particularly has brought in home automation, millennials, boomers, whoever going on vacation on their honeymoon. Let's say five years ago, right? When five, six years ago, we got married to not each other, our husbands. Um, Whatever I said, I'm like, Jackie and I got married six years ago. It's like, no, we did not marry each other.
0: <laughs> I have to say, we have clarified that in multiple episodes. <laughs> have,
1: have I clarified too much? Is it kind of like, what are they hiding? <laughs>
0: so Maybe like, why are you so defensive?
1: <laughs> well, just the way, the way I say it, it sounds awkward. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so let's say you go on your honeymoon six years ago and you stayed at like the nicest place that you've ever stayed. And they had a remote with the drapery specifically or the blinds, shades, whatever. Now that it's COVID and you weren't able to travel, you think back on those special trips that you really loved and the luxury that was there and the money that you're not spending on a trip this year, you're thinking, I'm going to take that luxury home with me and I'm going to invest in something that I loved at that one resort and again it's not just for the really
0: rich it is for pretty much anybody now just like when we were talking earlier about the biophilic and tech is you don't have to do everything at once you can start with your bedroom maybe you want to feel like you're waking up in that hotel again and so you start with your bedroom and then you layer on as you have the means to Yes,
1: that's such a good point. It doesn't have to be this full home automation, just like with decorating. You didn't decorate your house all at once. Very few people do. So that's a good, really good point. So I only have three more. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) This one is something old, something new. This isn't really a trend as more of an observation that I am I don't know if it's like the yellow car effect, like we were talking about where I heard about it and now I just see it everywhere. So something old, something new. So mixing modern pieces and antiques. And now we've we've talked about this since like the beginning of our podcast, but mm-hmm. kind of going back to travel, uh, this was a panel that I listened to at High Point last year and they were talking a lot about homes in Europe specifically and how these are designers talking and they said their clients in Europe really love modern furniture. You wouldn't necessarily think that because it's not that they have really modern homes. It's that the architecture in their homes is has so much charm that they need the balance. Again, going back to that balance, something old, something new, something masculine, something feminine, something black, something white, something warm, something cool. It's something that in America is we tend to love antiques, right? Mm-hmm. And that's because we're putting antiques into a loft apartment, a new build home, plain walls and a floor, four corners kind of a of a situation. Nothing really ornate, nothing extravagant. We don't have that old world charm. So we're having to use our furniture to add that to our homes. And they have the opposite problem in Europe. And I thought that was so
0: interesting. That is because I don't think about that because I love antiquing, mm-hmm. but that might not be, that might not translate across different cultures. And I never thought about that before, that we're such a new country and especially with our architecture and our homes that we we are injecting that history and that interest where you know in Europe um, homes have been around for centuries they have to do the exact opposite right and they still have those heirloom pieces
1: Mm -hmm. probably even more so than we do but they're layering in a lot more modern than we would. And it's just a balance. So I thought that was really cool. Something to think about. And if you did update your house to add a lot of architectural details and a lot of ornate, then thinking about, okay, maybe I need to layer in some modern furnishings, kind of having that balance as well. Yes, absolutely. I have a finishings trend and materials trend, Venetian plaster and lime wash. It's kind of giving me faux finish. Sponge work from. I'm just thinking of trading spaces. <laughs> yeah, early 2000s, 90s, how much moms were paying. I remember that my mom's like, well, that's really expensive to get someone to come in and do custom, like a custom faux finish on the walls. So that's expensive. It, it was a thing. Venetian plaster, um, it's a way to kind of get away from a drywall texture and adding plaster elements with like a stairwell again with the fireplace around or a hood that texture is really hot right now and I love it I think it's adding a lot of character and more of a subtle character and then the lime wash we've seen that with like the german schmear and just kind of that more faded neutral wood tone
0: yeah and i think it makes everything look older but in a good way mm-hmm. than it actually is and so like you're saying it adds that character and it makes it feel especially with a new build it makes it feel like the house has been around and has stories to tell instead of yes. blank walls with absolutely nothing
1: it's definitely a way to, like, make it feel seasoned. Mm-hmm. So I'm into this trend. Yeah. Uh, my last trend is
0: modern grand millennial. <laughs> yes, absolutely. This has been, um, past couple of years, it's been gaining some steam. Have we talked about grand millennial on the podcast? You and I have. No, I don't think we have on the podcast, though,
1: <laughs> We are the millennial homemakers, so I feel like we cannot not talk about this. Also, uh, one of Jackie's freelance jobs, the grand millennial, she wrote an article about grand millennial and kind of went viral. So (laughs) you're sort of an expert. Will you please fill us in on what grand millennial means?
0: Oh, gosh, putting me on the spot. (laughs) Um, Hold on. Let me gather my thoughts for a second. (laughs) I think I'm actually par- also part of a Facebook group that specifically this. You are email. yes. I'll have to invite you. Why am I feel betrayed? I'll I- invite you as soon as we are done recording. Who are you? <laughs> it's like Jackie. <laughs> um. So a lot of it goes, I think, in these trends that we're already talking about, because this grand millennial, it's kind of going back into these more traditional home stylings that we've had with the soft curves and the ultra feminine, even the floral materials and everything's just very- lace. Yes, the lace. Everything's just very soft. So you kind of think of, like, if you went to your grandparents' house, it's an updated version of that. So the grand millennial, I feel like, is kind of like cottage
1: core to the max,
0: mm-hmm. yes. and
1: it's just this. Um, everyone has that one friend that thrifting, and her being an old soul is like a personality trait, right? Like mm-hmm. that is like her personality is her identity is that she loves Lacey doilies, mm-hmm. and it's that trend to. Or it's that person, but it's like a a big trend. People are talking about the grand millennial style. So the modern grand millennial is just a little bit more refined. It's almost like, okay, shabby chic became farmhouse that now has become modern farmhouse. I think grand millennial has become modern grand millennial. And then we'll see what the next phase is. It's
0: really refining because you started like uh, the grand millennial was maybe a lot of matchy matchy. Um, Mm -hmm. Laura Ashley fabrics and now it's starting with that as the base and doing a little more mixing and matching so it's not like the Laura Ashley showroom just exploded on your house but it's very tailored to you but still having a lot of those florals and the lace and
1: those curves interesting that's definitely one to watch considering the
0: name (laughs) Exactly, I'm surprised we have not talked about this.
1: Before. Oh, and it was called Grand Millennial because it's Grandma mm-hmm. and Millennial.
0: Okay, like, <laughs> just in case anyone like missed that, that's like what it. Sorry, <laughs> that would be obvious. With think about when you go to your grandparents' house.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's Grandma Millennial is like what it is. So i thought not, i thought like other grandmas. I'm a cool grandma. That's what <laughs> that's what modern Grand Millennial is. So okay we got it all in and we are not that much over time this is a long one thank you for bearing with us
0: absolutely and if you want to have this conversation off air please consider joining our facebook group the millennial homemakers and tell us your favorite trends trends that maybe we missed that you've been seeing either from this episode or the last one and make sure to follow us on instagram i'm at jbalexander 16 and jacqueline is at jacqueline humble
1: perfectly set we have other fun episodes coming out a lot of food and summer content this was just up until this point I feel like has just been like a (laughs) catch-up of what's been going on since we were in a regular schedule so can't wait to share more and talk to y'all next week Bye. bye